0: And your love for others would be seen and heard. Um, Hey, before we get into it, I'd love to uh, just wish you a happy 4th of July weekend. We live in an awesome country, don't we? We live in a great country. I love the Lord and I love America and I am so proud uh, to be an American, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and I thought it'd be appropriate to uh, celebrate uh, our country this morning um, and pray for our country. There is certainly a lot to pray about these days, um, um, and uh, I don't want to pray uh, on July 5th to make a political statement. Um, I actually want to just center our prayers um, around the scriptures and, and be biblical as we pray for our country. So uh, there's a great verse in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, um, 1 and 2. I'll read it for us. And we're going to allow this prayer uh, to inform our prayers for our country this morning. It says, Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and Giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. And so uh, the Lord loves us, and he loves it when people pray, and he loves it when people lift their hearts to the Lord and pray for the government that is over them. And so, uh, kids, if you want to learn how to pray the Bible with us, what, what we're going to do is we're just going to take, take each of those words, supplication, prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks, and we're going to apply that right to our country. And so, as we all bow our heads and we just um, and we pray for our country, listen and 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 agree with and say amen, and and um, and lift your heart with me. That's how we pray. As a group, communal, communally, we'll say. So, would you pray with me? Let's bow our heads and let's pray for America. And so, first, uh, we, we, Lord, lift our supplications to you. It's a long word. And it just means that we want to ask you. We are trusting you amidst COVID right now. And... Uh, And Lord, so there's a lot to trust you with. Lord, would you um, help our leaders that are in place? Lord, would you help our President Trump? Would you help Governor DeWine lead with wisdom and discernment? I pray that they would be prudent leaders as they guide the country navigating through these unchartered waters of the coronavirus. I pray for us amidst this time that we would not live in fear, but that we would trust you with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength, with all our soul, with everything that we have during this unique moment in history. And we, our supplications are also, we're asking for mercy. Lord, would you would you do your work through it, but we are asking that you would lift this. And Lord, if if it is not lifted, we, we will worship and obey. Help us to learn to depend on you through it. Lord, we lift up our prayers to you. And this morning we pray for our Supreme Court. So we pray for the highest court in our country. And Lord, we, we want to be honest that we, we took a step back this week in terms of defending life in the womb. And we, we know that only you can change hearts. We don't depend on government. We don't depend on the Supreme Court. But we do pray. Our prayer is that those nine officials, that they would value life. Lord, that they would set you before them. Lord, that the churches in that area, that friendships, that, that, that you would surround them with godly people to inform them in how they make decisions. I pray that they would value life instead of what people think about them, either right now or even how their life will be interpreted in the future. And so I pray that they would vote and decide and discern to do what is right. Lord, we bring our intercessions. So we pray for or on behalf of our country. And Lord, there's a lot of racial tension going on. And Lord, we don't claim to be experts in sociology or or political things, but we do know that you hate racism. And so we are asking that you would heal our racist hearts through the power of the gospel found in Jesus Christ alone. And we pray that our church and the church at large would be the kindest of people, the wisest, Lord, that that we would be most compassionate and aware and that we would pursue your heart to have nations, tongues, tribes, ethnicities, ethnos, Lord. That all peoples would hear the gospel and know you and cherish and enjoy you in this life and the next. Help us to lead out in that pursuit. And Lord, we give thanks, as it says in 1 Timothy 2. We want to offer up our thanks that we live in a great country. And we thank you for our armed forces, those who have given their lives uh, for the sake of our freedom. And we want to treat our freedom very, very highly. We don't want to be flippant towards it or light in any manner. So help us to remember our freedom that we can even gather today and lift our hands and our voices unto you in a free manner. And so we pray for our country this morning and are asking that you would fulfill and work through our prayers. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, it's good to pray together. We are um, ending our short series this morning uh, called Sustain Revival. It has been a few weeks series uh, on the study of discipleship uh, coming uh, on the heels of a quarantine, uh, our response to how does Jesus use his church to impact, um, the lives of, of our hearts and those around us. And so we're studying how to respond and how to set the course of our life. And uh, we're asking the Lord that He would awaken hearts, that He would open eyes, that, that He would cause a revival, if it's in one person or if it's in a whole community. And He does that, and He does all of it. But somehow He uses the, the prayers of His saints and somehow, as the saints take their hands and put it on the plow and faithfully work the field, that He causes revival. And we're asking that, that sometime in our lifetime, we would see the third great awakening in America. And so we're studying discipleship. And week number one, we, we talked about a belt sander. We said that, that this was an, a great illustration of someone helping me do something. And we said that discipleship is is helping someone else follow Jesus. Do you remember that? The table's doing well, by the way. We had our first meal on it this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we said we, we said that that discipleship is a call to value people. We we looked at Jesus and he said, Hey, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And so we said that discipleship is embracing the strategy of Jesus. It's not some ambiguous or mystical thing. Jesus says, "Hey, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men." So discipleship is valuing people. People are the priority. And it's a training process. It doesn't just come in an instant, but it it is focusing on people. And not everyone in the whole world necessarily it's focusing on a few. Just like Jesus, how so he grabbed 12 and of the 12 he actually just focused on 3. And continually, we're calling our church to say, hey, who are your men? Who are your few? Last week, we talked about a baton, and we studied 2 Timothy 2.2, and, and the, the, the passages, and the things that you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Entrust to faithful men who will in turn teach others. We said that discipleship was a strategy of embracing the church. That we, if we want to disciple, it's not just like a one-to-one thing, like some rogue Christianity, but Jesus loves the church, purchased her, and has a strategy for her to reach the nations. That the church is the main discipleship strategy or mechanism to advance the gospel. Last week, we closed with the question, who is your other, that great last tact of the 2nd Timothy 2.2. And this week we're asking, why? All right. So one day, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, if you believe, if you've placed your faith and trust in, in Jesus, one day you will be before him face to face. You'll see him. And you'll 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 talk with him. What will he look like? John, John says that that he saw him and he beheld his glory. He says, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of God. Paul says that Jesus is the exact imprint, the replication, the image of the invisible God. That he's the firstborn of over all creation. Isaiah, when he saw God, his mouth just like dropped, right? His eyes got big. He saw the angels encompassing, encircling the throne. They each had wings, six of them. Two of them were flying. Two of them, they couldn't even look at him. Because he was so bright. And so they covered their faces. And two of them, they covered their feet. That was, that was what Isaiah saw. And, and he, he looked at those angels and he, and he called them seraphim and cherubim. And, and it's like burning ones, literally. Like they were burning balls of flame. They were bright, but it was nothing compared to the bright ones. You ever think about what he would look like when you see him? What about? Have you ever thought about what you'll say to him one day when you see him? Like, what will you ask him? Like, Lord, like, wh- hey Jesus, why the beard? You know, or or hey, why COVID? Or why me? <laughs> why am I? Oh, I'm Lord. Why me? You ever thought about what he will say to you? What will that conversation be like? Yesterday, my Ruthie came home from being at her grandma's for a week, right? And oh, we just ran towards her and just hugged her. And and I just didn't have any words. I just, I just wanted to see her, right? like i was so excited to see one of my own our heavenly father he's probably even more excited to see us than we are to see him like he is the one in the scriptures who's who's described as rich in love who's like abounding in steadfast love he's who's got a storehouse full full of mercy. It's like he's on the edge of his seat and he just just wants to see us. He just wants to be with us. Finally, son, daughter, you're home. But also he wants to talk to us. And certainly, if you know him, if you love him, you, you want to talk to him too and you've been anticipating this conversation. Like when you see him face to face, The Bible talks about faith, hope, and love. When you see him, you will no longer need faith. Faith will go away because you see him. You won't need it anymore. When you see him, you'll no longer need hope because the person that you've been hoping in your whole life is right before you. Hope will go, but love won't. That's why love is the greatest of these things forever you will be before Jesus and you will love him. And just a side note, but a main note, if you have never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, if you know him, how you come to know him can be described in those three words, faith, hope, and love, that you place your faith not in other things, but you place your faith and trust in Jesus to save you. And you hope not in other things or in idols or in any sort of political power. You hope in Jesus. You place hope in Jesus, and you transfer your love of other things, things that you've loved and you've pursued and chased after. You say, "I'm done with that," and I I transfer my affections, my love to just a person now, and it's how you become a Christian. You place your faith and hope and love in him, and you receive him. That's how you become a Christian. Today, if we're going to just dive just a little bit deeper in this water, what will be the contents of that conversation when you come and stand before the throne of God? Like, does the Bible either spell it out for us, what it will be like, or hint or suggest at what that conversation will be like. And today we're gonna say, yes, yes it does. Would you turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter one, verse 28 and 29 with me. This verse is said to be Paul's life vision verse and it captures his whole life in a sentence or two. You might not have been expecting Colossians 1. You might have said, oh, it's probably like that passage today, like, oh yeah, well done and good and faithful servant. And we've all got that one kind of locked in our minds, in our prayers, and our hope that that'll be a part of the conversation when we we see Jesus face to face. But today, as we end our study on discipleship, we're going to read a phenomenal passage. The title of today's message is Discipleship Aims... To present others to Jesus more like Him. I'll read it again. Discipleship aims to present others to Jesus who are more like Him. And there's two points today. Um, Point number one, the end in mind. The end meaning this conversation, this vision, this focus. One day. That's point number one. And point number two is the methods. Okay, so let's read this passage together. Colossians 1, verse 28 and 29. This is the word of the Lord. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Oh, I love that verse. Let's dive into it together. Point number one, the end in mind, the end in mind. All right. So did you catch it in there? Did you catch that little phrase about what it's going to be like one day? So that we may present Every man mature in Christ. All right, so Paul, he helps others follow Jesus, right? He does deliberate spiritual good in the lives of others because there's this like hint, this this, this notion or idea that one day we will present others to the Lord. It's this giving of this offering, this gift, this present. A conversation to come about how you used your life in the lives of others for their growth in Christ and maturity. It'd be kind of like this Mike, (laughs) welcome, son. Welcome. I have longed to see your face. And you know, you know that you're not here based off your own merits, your own good, your own righteousness. It's it's mine. It's mine. And you know I just, I just didn't come halfway, and then your own strength met me there. I saved you while you were yet sinning. You were still my enemy. You were still in rebellion, but because of my great love, I set my affections on you. I bought you. And nothing you did before salvation or after can change or manipulate or or like set the trajectory of my love in any different way. I love you, Mike, and I'm so glad you're here. Me. Oh, thanks, Jesus. It is good to be here. Woo! And I, Jesus, I love you so much. I've got a gift for you. Like I've I've lived my life for you. Thank you for putting John in my life for 10 years, for 10 years. And you saved him and you caused the growth. But thank you for letting me take part in helping him follow you. Thank you for, for using me in some small, minuscule way in his life so that he would mature and love you more. And so today I, 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 I present to you John. This is the subject matter that I'm trying to picture for you to describe one day when you see Jesus face to face. How motivating is that? I mean, come on, right? That's incredible. I mean, if that doesn't light your fire, your wood must be wet. I mean, this is incredible. One day, the conversation This idea of presenting one to another. Just a few verses earlier in Colossians, verses 21 and 22, Paul talks about us, you, being presented to God. 21, and you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. 22, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. Watch this. He did all that in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So all these presentings in Colossians. And now he talks about you presenting others almost as a gift or a present back to God as an act of worship and love. The short of it, your whole life as you seek to love and know god to grow deeper in him is to help others grow in maturity so that one day you can present them to jesus more whole or in some translations complete it says we we do this and we try to do it for everyone that's not a numerical expression Every, every man or everyone means showing no distinction. And that is a great word for our time, our day, right now. Showing no preference between Jew or Gentile in this context. And in this world and in this day and age, showing no preference. Red, yellow, black, white, short, tall, fat, skinny, popular, unpopular. The goal is the same. God opens eyes. The gospel takes root. We speak. He causes the fruit. And he commissions every one of us to help all peoples, all ethnicities mature in the process. Whoever is in front of you, really. Today, Paul brings an eschatological perspective to the table. An eschaton, a view of the end of why we need to help others grow and it's it's one day in the future that is going to affect all of the present days leading up to it it's an offering 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 just jot it down in the margin it says for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what is for what he has done in the body whether good or evil to sum up point number 1 the basic question is hey who has the lord put in your life pray ask the spirit to reveal names lord who has he put in my life think of think through your circles your family your church your school, your classmates, your sports teams, your workplace, your play date friends, whatever. How did you help them love Jesus more? So that's the vision. That's point number one, the ultimate motivation, the end goal in mind. All right, let's let's round the corner to point number two. If you're going to ask, all right, if that is the goal, the vision, hey, I am in. Like, I, I love that, and I am sold out. I am still waiting to hear how to do it, though. <laughs> like, okay, I'm in. Yeah, great vision. Like, Newman, take me the conceptual to the concrete. I mean, come on, help me out here. Like, can you help me understand how to help people? Grow in Christ. Now, don't look in the Bible yet. Don't look. Don't look. Don't look down. Everyone look up. Okay. What is your first or your natural, not your super, your natural inclination of how you would answer that question, right? If it's somewhat of a task in your mind, then maybe your answer that you would anticipate from your heart would be rules, I must help people go from point A to point B by setting forth rules. Rules. And I know that might, you you might dismiss it like, oh, no, no, it's not rules. But sometimes that feels good to say, yeah, if I just set points on this linear line, then I can evaluate and measure and do this thing. Let's see God's method of how he helps people mature in Christ from this verse. Are you ready? Point number 2, the methods. First three words from Colossians 1:28, him we proclaim all right, grammar geeks out there, notice the word order, okay? No one talks like that anymore. Him, we, pro- the translators kept the, this word order to show emphasis. Usually we would say, we proclaim Him. But in the original, it is, it is, let's put the most important first. It's Jesus that we set before people. If you want people to have a relationship with Him, we give them a person. Not a list of rules. So I'll say it differently. In order to help someone grow in their relationship with Christ, we must not give rules, but relationship. We give them the very person, the essence of Jesus. All right. Let's go a little deeper with grammar and let's go Greek. Okay. Here's a, here's a Greek word coming on, on up. Dun, 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 boom. Okay. Uh, up there, the top is Greek. Don't get freaked out by that. It's going to be all right. The bottom left is how you say it in English. It uses our English letters. So, katangalo, okay? All right, and then on the right, it's broken by syllables on how you should say it, okay? In the and so that's cat space ang space gal space o, oh, okay? And you're like, "Ah, big deal." Okay? But uh, have you noticed a word in there from the English language? On the, what, yeah, that's right, angel. Okay, so this this word, proclaim him, we proclaim. It uses the root word angel. Okay, this is what the angels did when they like came and told the shepherds that Jesus is coming. Like, behold, I bring great tidings for you, of great joy that will be for all people. Like they, they proclaimed this, they announced it, they declared it. And so we might say, wow, that's for angels. It's like, well, in the New Testament, they take that same word and they apply it to the saints of Jesus and say, you are the sent ones. That's what angel means, to be a messenger, to be sent. And so in Acts, they say, hey, these apostles, they they are sent ones. And just the angels who proclaim and declare, so you too are messengers of this great person, Jesus Christ. And so we don't get this impression that the proclaiming is limited to a certain slot on a Sunday morning, but it is an all-skate. It is to proclaim Him. So it says, Him we proclaim. All right, and so you're still like, okay, still Newman. You're not helping me out. That's still conceptual. I mean, that's Greek and stuff like that. Help me discern how I'm supposed to live my life and helping others follow Jesus. Paul, like the consummate shepherd and teacher and writer, helps us understand that. I was struggling with some things um, in the last few weeks. And I was, I was angry. And, and so I, I, the, the, this question was posed to me when I was struggling. I was lacking compassion, just upset about things. And, and the question is, well, let's talk about this. Um, what do you think about Jesus' ascension? Like, what's going on there? In, this, in this, this, this conversation. And I was like, did you just Jesus juke me? Like, I just told you I was angry and like struggling with some things. Why are you bringing up Jesus' ascension that seems overly theological and has nothing to do with what I'm struggling with, right? I'm sharing this story with you to help you understand how to proclaim Jesus. Just sign up. And so, so he goes, well, let's, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. Does Jesus right now still have a body? And I was like, well, yeah, like he ascended, like he ascended in his body. He's not a spirit right now. And so he said, this means that everything we read about him in the Gospels is still true today. Because he still has a body, he still has like emotions. He still has feelings. Everything we read about him in the Gospels, he still is like that. But the only difference is that he, he feels and he experiences and thinks purely and perfectly, unlike you. <laughs> Your emotions, Mike, are mixed with righteousness and sin. And it was like, okay. I mean, I'm listening, I'm, I'm not connecting. Okay, come on. Like, I wasn't saying it at the time, but I was like, proclaim him to me. Like, take Jesus and apply it to my life right now. So I said, I'm listening. Okay, so he was perfectly angry in the temple, he was perfectly compassionate towards the masses. And in his anger and in his compassion, he is pure and perfect. And this means that you don't have to be. And you can come to him. He is inviting. He says, hey, take my yoke upon me. My burden, I can take it. I can take your burden. It's light. I can carry it for you. You shouldn't. And that day, something was lifted from me because Jesus was proclaimed to me. Like I was, I was free it wasn't like proclaim the gospel. That means you have to just say, hey, Jesus uh, uh, died for your sins. That's not what we're talking about in its entirety. It's just like what we're what we saying. It's proclaiming all of Jesus, a robust gospel, taking his life and applying it to others in a way that's meaningful and relational and understandable. And I will never think of the ascension of Jesus in the same shallow way again. Like this. He ascended. That's cool. He flew. Like I needed to hear the gospel then. I needed to hear all the gospel. All of the ministry of Jesus. All the time. Everything about Jesus. All the time. And this is what Paul helps us do now. In this verse. Verse. Let's go there. How do I do that, Newman? How do I do that, Apostle Paul? This is going to challenge some of our styles. Here we go. doesn't always fit with our comfortability. He says, you proclaim him by warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. (laughs) All right. So let's just kind of be honest. Which one do you like better? Okay? I know, right? It's like, oh... I'd rather do the teaching and maybe like someone else can do the warning or, and here's, here's how oftentimes like, I think if I teach good enough, then I won't have to do the hard stuff of like warning, but warning, or in some translations, they say admonishing, while not necessarily a favorite one of mine or yours is a ministry that is incredibly relational. It's, it's actually not harsh. And it's not quick to speak. It is very loving to the core. And here's how it might play out. It might play out something like this in a conversation. After a long time of listening and understanding and asking questions to gain understanding, it might look like, hey, bro. Hey, the path. That you're on the path that you're choosing. It's kind of like like Highway 48 out here. It's this bridge that's shut down. It's it doesn't have integrity. It's about to collapse. They're gonna put up. There's orange there. There's a sign. It says, "Don't cross here. Take the way around it." And you are headed right for that bridge. There's warning signs, and you're driving around them. And I'm telling you because I love you. I don't get, like, kicks out of telling you this. You're, you're headed on a path for destruction. And I'm warning you, I'm telling you, get off and go this way. That's tough. That's a That's a ministry. That's how one way that you present people closer to the Lord is that you warn them. It's not easy. You won't be liked, maybe in the moment, but it will be the best thing for them. If you want to journal this week, you could even just make a note and say, when was I admonished, and how did that help me grow in Jesus? It also says teaching them. In terms of how to do this, it says teaching them. This is from the word didaskalos, which means didactic verse, By verse, explanation, and application of God's Word. And still the reaction to that might be, Oh, no, 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 that's not for me. That's that's for a professional. That's for someone else. But it says that we proclaim Him. We together must be on this mission that admonishes and teaches, not suggests, not just hints at, But verse by verse helps people understand the heart of God through the scriptures. Amen? Amen. All right. So let's look about, let's ask the question, hey, what does this look like in the home? Okay. So recently, recently I just heard a dad, um, heard about a dad who is zealous to present his children complete or mature in Christ. And so how he like rigs, how he rolls with family devotionals is he's like, hey kids, every day. I want you to bring me a verse, any verse in the Bible, and I'll try to explain it. If I don't know what it means, I got my work cut out for me, and I'll I'll work hard to study it and explain it to you, right? (laughs) And then he says, and I would like to train you to, to read the scriptures and to know God. I would like to bring a verse each day. So we'll just talk about two verses every day, right? So kids, if you want to take up your daddy, your mommy on that challenge, go for it. My recommendation, start in Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go for it, guys. All right. All right. So it said, this verse, Colossians 1, 28 and 29, says that you are to do this, ad, admonishing or warning and teaching with all wisdom. Let me just cut to the straight of it, the short of it. I've read a lot of pages on this, a lot of commentaries. Here's what I think it means in general. Admonish, proclaim Teach with everything you got. Do your best, friends. Like, go for it. Just, just, just do your best. Just do your best. With everything that you have right now, go for it. With everything you have, help others grow and mature in Jesus. This, like, quest, this vision that Paul lays before us, it's so easy, isn't it? I should say, walk in the park. It's like, come on, yeah, I get it. really? Let's see how Paul describes it. Look at the next verse. It says, "For this I toil." Ah! <laughs> he toils, toil. Another word, work or labor. Some translations say, and he describes his laser labor as struggling or striving. This same word is is used in Colossians 4, speaking of Epaphras. He labored fervently for the church in prayer. That's a, that's a way to work or to labor or to toil in prayer. Uh, Jesus uh, is, is described like this in the garden, that he agonized, that he worked, and he prayed. Jacob, in the Hebrew Scriptures, it says that he wrestled with God. It was a labor, a work. It is the kind of emotional and physical labor that will keep you up at night. Like when you're driving, it will occupy your mind. You will labor for people and it will be so joyful. It will be so worth it. My question for you is just, are you laboring for someone like that? And when you come to your end and say, whoa, everything that the Bible is describing, these two verses, I don't know if I can do that. Like, I'm not, whoa, that seems pretty lofty. I don't know if I have the energy to do that. I'm just surviving. I'm just hanging on right now. Paul The pastor says that the energy that fuels my toil, my work, my labor, my agony comes from Jesus. It comes from Christ who is at work within me. You see that? With all his energy that powerfully works within me. This is the high calling, church. It's a high calling to make disciples. And it is a lifetime work. And it is our joy to team with you in this process so that all peoples might know and enjoy him forever. So let's close like this, just imagining once more the conversation, just in a a little bit different light. So Jesus, he looks at you and he says, do you love me? And you say, oh, Lord, you know, I do. You know, and he says, well, feed my sheep. Proclaim me, proclaim me. And then Jesus says, hey, do you love me? And you say, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And his response is, feed my sheep. Sometimes you'll need to warn them. He says, do you love me? And you say, Lord, you know I love you. Teach them. And one day, we'll all be together. And I, Lord Jesus, I will make all things whole, complete, pure, beautiful, and new again. Let's pray. We long to serve our Master and Lord Jesus. Father, forgive us. And we declare our dependence upon you, and we're asking, Lord, would you use our lives to count, Son Jesus? We thank you for this great salvation that He has granted to us, and Lord, help our next steps. Lord, help us to proclaim Your Son Jesus. Give us the wisdom. Give us the when, the how, the the how to handle the conversations that will come our way this week. Give us the courage to proclaim him. Lord, for the fears that we might have of maybe I'll, it, it won't be received right. Or maybe maybe the person I'm talking to will think that it's cheesy to bring up Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would lay that down at your altar and think about the conversation that we'll have with you one day. Help us to speak much and often and highly of your Son, Christ. Even now, would you put names and faces on our hearts that we might bring others and present them to you more mature in Christ?